0: The Sherr family enjoys spending a lot of time outside, hence we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy, right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com.
1: To our seats in the house, Michael Rousseau, Anthony Lapanta, coming to you from Split Rocks in Wyoming—the city, not the state. Thanks for everybody for showing up uh, with this live show. Thanks to our sponsors for always uh, supporting this uh, podcast here on the Talk North Network. Our next live show, March twenty-second, right back here at Split Rock, Split Rocks. So uh, definitely come on out. Great food, great drinks, great beer specials from Grain Belt—three uh, dollars fifty cents tonight. Um, if you buy a beer, you get a raffle ticket for a camping chair. If you ask a great question, you get a raffle ticket for a camping chair. If you ask a really, really, really good question, you get an uh, athletic wallet for your back Just of your phone, and
0: random Anthony. gear that you found laying around on the floor in your car. Yeah. That's C- good. C- couple of I, I should haven't. run out and see what I can find in my car. <laughs> <laughs> Give couple, that away. A couple, couple things. A couple of golf uh, tees, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: random zipper here, too, that we're giving away, too. Um, so, Anthony, uh, let's start with the trade. Um, then we'll get to uh, what you got uh, the pleasure of emceeing the other night at the Miko Koivu uh, retirement night. But uh, Wild made a trade today. Uh, it, it, God, it is funny because, you know, it's funny the way your mind works. So during practice, it was pretty uh, lively. You were there. And I was staring. Today, didn't it feel like Nick Bukestad and Nico Sturm looked, like, super identical? Like, they always looked like doppelgangers. Today, they look like they... Absolutely, like we're the same human being during all those scrums that Dean Evison did in front of us. And an hour later, Nico Sturm traded to the Colorado Avalanche for a chance to maybe win a cup. Uh, Tyson Jost coming back this way, your initial thoughts?
0: Well, Tyson Jost is coming here for a chance to win a cup. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure why only one guy's got a chance, but I, I think it's an interesting trade. Tyson Jost is a player that he was a number 10 overall pick, first round pick out of the University of North Dakota. And I always thought his game was going to translate into the NHL, where he'd be a productive scorer in the NHL, and it just hasn't happened yet. First
1: NHL goal against the Wild.
0: Right, but he has has parts to his game that I think have some upside, Mm -hmm. just never quite fit right in Colorado, and he's not the first guy we've seen that is probably cut out to be in a top six role and was playing third and fourth line there, and it's likely where he'll land here too, but... You never know, maybe a change of scenery yeah. creates opportunity for him. And and I, I think he's a player that he I think he has more upside than Nico Sturm he might have a lower basement as well as Sturm. Sturm's going to help the Avalanche.
1: Yeah, that's actually a great way of putting it because, um, you know, it, it just it did feel like Nico Sturm is on the outs here, but I think he's going to go and help that team and, and then have a chance to maybe even resign there or go on as an unrestricted free agent somewhere else. I mean, he was pigeonholed here to a fourth-line role. We'll see what position Tyson Jost comes in and plays here, but... You know, like Bill Guerin said today that they feel like he has untapped offensive potential, but you look at the lineup, I mean, the only way he's going to play up in the lineup uh, other than a fourth-line role is if he's at center. Well, who's he going to replace at center? Are you moving Ryan Hartman to the fourth line? Or are you making – I cannot imagine that Dean Evason is going to be truly happy to play Freddie Goudreau in a fourth-line role. So we're going to probably see him play a little power play time but you know and he but he might have to wait for an injury to move up in the lineup but, but up the middle he's got to be better i mean his faceoff percentage is 39%
0: yeah but there's so much more to it than faceoff percentage i think it's i think you're right with looking at the lineup he's not going to break up the identity line he's not going to break up hartman with Zuccarello and caprisov but maybe it's a situation where Injury, he provides some depth with a guy who could move up. They had tried Sturm up in the lineup a Mm -hmm. couple of times. It never quite worked. They had tried Bukestad up in the lineup a couple of times. That really didn't work. Duhame, same thing. So maybe here you have a guy that does have a little more upside, even if it's just for a game or two here or there. And otherwise, he becomes a fourth-line guy. And I don't even think – it's not a lock that he's going to be in the lineup on the fourth line. I mean, the way that – Duer, Duhame, and Bukestad have been playing. You may stick with those guys, and, yeah. and he might just be an extra guy here. I, you know, I'm sure he's going to get in there at, from time to time. A but. lot,
1: a lot of times when trades like this are made in the week, you know, leading into the trade deadline, it's hard to figure out what's going on now. And then in a couple of days, it makes more sense. And maybe this is the, you know, pre, maybe this is a precursor that Billy knows that he's trading another one of his forwards. Who knows? I mean, we, we will see. The one thing, we had Bill Guerin on the conference call today and, um, and a lot of the stuff that he said, I'm gonna put in my game story tomorrow, but the big thing that I asked him about uh, was, was the goaltending. Um, there were quite a few times on the conference call today where he insinuated that he's not happy with the goaltending. You know, I can't tell you how many times he said, get a save. Um, when he talked about the penalty kill, it made it very clear that, he's, that the goaltending's a big issue and things like that. Um, but and and in every analytical measurement right now, Cam Talbot and Capo Kakinar are just not up to snuff. And you have a, less than a week before the trade deadline, Anthony. And I do wonder if the priority now is to fix this, to go out and make some sort of move. And and um, I just get the impression that Bill Guerin is at least sniffing around right
0: now. It uh, might be. I I think it's a really difficult position to fix with a trade. Yeah. At this point, I just
1: especially with the guys that are available. Right. I mean, the question is like Varley would be you know yeah. somebody out there Flurry, Forsberg, Georgiev. I mean, but are they any of them going to put you over the top and make you a cup contender? Yeah,
0: I don't think so. That's kind of my point is that I think all you'd be taking a chance on all of those guys and I'm not sure the chance is any higher probability of success than the players you have. You might just be in the spot where it's got to be one of these guys. And if they're good enough, they're good enough. And if they're not, it's unfortunate. But I just don't think that's a position that's likely to be able to be fixed via trade right now. I don't disagree with Billy's sentiment. I I was talking today at practice and early in the season, this isn't an analytical statement, it's just kind of a general feel. It felt like, let's say through about Christmas time, that most nights you walked away from the arena saying the Wilds goalie was better than the other teams. Whoever it was, not that they necessarily stole games or won games, but most nights our guy played better than the opponent. And I think it's been the reverse basically since the All-Star break where most nights you walk away saying the second-best goalie in the game, was wearing a wild sweater. And not that it's, not that all of them have been their fault. I think the team's defensive game has really broken down. Penalty kills a part of it, but I think they have really gotten loose in their own zone. But early in the year, they were getting at least a big save at a key time, where 2-1 to one didn't become 3-1. 3-2 didn't become 4-2. Now it's becoming 4-2, then they add the empty netter, and it's 5-2, and before you know it, you're upside down on things. And you know, it's, I, I think, we'll or even see. more so, uh, two two
1: becomes three two. That's what's been happening a lot lately. They, yeah, you know, they'll they'll get this huge goal momentum too. goal, right. and then they give up the crummiest goal right after. And I I do think that you know you do have to wonder how much confidence there is right now in the goaltending, which is the only reason why I think that Bill Guerin is sniffing around. Is like even if you don't think that that goalie that you're acquiring is necessarily the better goalie than Cam Talbot, maybe what it does is sparks the lineup a bit to now play tighter and you know not not unlike what happened with Devin Dubnik out here where all of a sudden the same team just suddenly went on a tear because they just had fresh blood in there. And I think a lot of times when you don't have a lot of confidence in your goaltender, it it causes a lot of breakdowns. It reminds me
0: of the day that they acquired Dubnik. I I just told the story I I ran into Chuck Fletcher at the postgame party for Miko the other night and we were chatting about that day that the Wild acquired Dubnik. And if you remember, Ryan Souter had been suspended for a hit in the Pittsburgh game the game before. And he and I then were having lunch together in Buffalo, and we were just talking about the team and the state of the team. And he said, you know, right now, we are just hoping to get to the first TV timeout 0-0. Yeah. That's six minutes into the game. And he said, we're just hoping to get there 0-0. Then we feel like we have a chance. The, the goaltending had just had gone so far downhill that season that no matter what the, how well the team played, they just felt like they couldn't get a save. And then all of a sudden, it all turned when Dubnik arrived. Remember, he made the one big save early in the game against the Sabres and about the only scoring chance Buffalo had all night. But what, he ended up playing 30 games in a row or something like that, and the Wild went on a run. And, and it, it, goaltending can do that. And I still think Camp Talbot's capable of, of carrying a team down the stretch he hasn't shown it in the last three weeks, but he's capable of that. You can't have a goalie, though, giving up four or five goals every single No, no that's night. what I'm saying. Yeah, Over the last I mean, three nah. or four weeks, his game yeah. hasn't been it, as sharp yeah. as it was early in the year, and not even just early in the year. Remember, right, before, right yeah, heading into he the break, he was a brilliant.
1: Yeah. Um, Tyson chose to interesting, interesting story. Hopefully, I'll be able to do a really cool um, sort of personality profile on here on him at some point here in the future just an immense incredible background story that i I really want to touch on this guy plus uh he's colorblind um i was reading a story today you know the two colors that he's colorblind from Red and green. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so that could be a problem.
0: Um, well, but, uh, only Greg, one team's wearing color.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, I just thought it was really kind of funny, but um, he actually put on uh, some like, new like colorblind type of like, corrective lenses this year for the first time, and it was a really cool YouTube video out there. But he's just got an incredible background, um, and hopefully I'll be able to write that story here uh, this year. The interesting part of this trade, Anthony, that still to me is a little perplexing is that he's got another year left to $2 million dollars. So now it's just you tighten things up even more unless you're planning on trading him this off season or somebody else like I, like you, like if the math was hard before to re sign Fiala they're either just saying we're not doing it or they're just going to they're planning on moving some other guys like Kulikov or even somebody else coming up here in the near future um, but it was just so even like Billy said today well we knew you know there was no way that we were going to be able to afford Nico Sturm and I'm just thinking to myself as he said that, well, you just added somebody that's making two million next year. So if you couldn't afford Sturm, how do you afford Jo afford Joast? And so that I think is a little uh interesting and, and clearly they've got they're either they're either acting impulsively to try to fix right now this season, or they've got other plans right now that we just haven't know, figured out exactly what's going on yet.
0: I would guess the latter rather than the former there. I I thought Billy's comments that he made a couple times, you can't trade your way out of this. Yeah. The players have to figure this out. They got to get back to playing the way they were playing early in the year. And I there's I don't doubt for a minute there's more to their plans than what they're sharing at this time. And you know, the other thing, don't you think I don't know if Nico would cost two million, but he's gonna cost a lot more than he's making right now. Yeah. He's making seven hundred grand yeah, right 25. now and he's going to cost a lot more than that in the off season, where you know Jost I think is he's probably not worth what his two million is at least what he's shown so far this year but who knows yeah right opportunity maybe he fits yeah
1: and I don't think Nico you know as much as he loves being here and his girlfriend plays for the Whitecaps and all that stuff, I mean, when you're pigeonholed to the fourth line and you aspire to be more, you're probably not going to resign here even if they wanted you, right? I mean, he, he's stuck on the fourth line. There's nothing that he's ever been able to do to elevate from that uh, role. Um, clearly, he sees Rossi coming, Hartman coming, Erickson Eck coming, and, and Goudreau in that lineup that's extremely uh, respected by Everson. So I don't think he was even coming back. Um, anyway, which is sort of the same reason why Jack McBain uh, doesn't plan on signing here, and the Wild are going to trade his rights at some point. Um, BC broke out this year. Anthony, I think we talked about it a little bit in last week's podcast, um, but certainly looking like teams like Winnipeg, Montreal, Arizona um, have interest in him. Uh, Winnipeg does have a first round pick in the next two years. Uh, Montreal does have, uh, sorry, I, mean, I said first round pick, second round pick. Uh, Arizona has got like every second round pick in the draft. They've got five, so perfect fit there. Um, but Montreal is the team that seemingly wants them right now, and I think that that trade's going to be ha- happening here in the next uh, three or four it's, days. you got to trade them somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, you can't lose him for nothing. So that's uh, that's interesting, and that's why they're not um, they're not you know looking like they're gonna uh, sign him, and why they're gonna trade his rights. Anthony, so um, let's look. They went two and one in a three point in a three game stretch. So it looked like things were starting to you know feel better, especially because even the shootout loss, like it was an extremely disappointing way to lose that game. But they still dominated that game. Like the second period, they gave up six shot attempts. I mean, they. That, it, that, I mean, it's just amazing to me that they didn't get the second point in that game. And one mistake, it winds up in the back of your net. Three power plays to have a chance to extend your lead uh, to two, which would have put the, put the Blue Jackets out of their misery right there. It doesn't get it done. So, but still, you go into the national game, and. You expect to win. They play okay, but clearly, um, Nashville was more committed to to trying to win that game. Twenty-nine block shots and things like that. But the broken record trends that are really infiltrating this lineup right now—power play, defense, penalty kill—all terrible and all and all issues that are not going to help them in the postseason. How do you repair all this stuff?
0: I don't know. The Special teams are a problem, and they have been for the better part of three weeks here. The, the penalty kill, giving up a power play goal every night and a lot of times two, you can't win with that. Yeah. And the power play unable to get the separator goal. I thought in the Columbus game you you could walk away from that game saying if we play like that every night yeah, you win a lot of games. The problem was I thought the night before in Detroit was just the opposite. Yeah. I felt like they they didn't they were so loose in that game. They easily, they could have lost that game 8-6. to six. And, you know, they were fortunate to get the shootout win. I, the game, there's just something missing. And I, I can't put my finger on it. It doesn't look quite the same. There isn't the same edge, the same competitiveness that we saw early in the season on a night-in, night-out basis. And, you know, maybe it just takes a couple games in a row, I I thought the Ranger win was one that was, okay, here we go. Now it's, that was going to have that kind of feel to it, and it turned out it didn't because then they went on the road, and I thought the Detroit game, even though they won, I thought they gave up so many, they gave up more looks in that game in their own zone than against one of the bottom feeders in the league. It just, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what the I don't know what it is, but there's definitely something missing from what we saw from this team for the first two, two two and a half months of the season.
1: Their their blue line is really not playing well right now. I mean, it's not just the forwards. I mean, their blue line, um, I mean, that's another area So many
0: mix-ups in defensive zone coverage. I, I don't know their coverage rules well enough to be able to assign blame, and it doesn't matter who's at fault. The bottom line is it's happening. And in Detroit, when you watch that game, it was interesting because I was just watching the game without calling it that night, and you see it a little differently cuz when you're not focused on who's got the puck and name and number and all that kind of stuff it was crazy to me how many times they had players wide open in in Minnesota's yeah. defensive zone uh, i don't know
1: like i like part of me thinks that like they you know you know the one issue is so, like, I was talking to an NHL player the other day that said the one thing that's very different about the wild system is the rules coming back in your own zone on transition, that if, you're, if a defenseman is essentially, um, you, know, playing, you know, playing forward, that the forward is supposed to cover from, but usually when you go back to your own end, then you sort of get sort back of to all. your own. Yeah. Where in this position, it's not, it's not exactly the same. And I asked... Um, Dean about that in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago and he sort of and he said that it's it's it, unless you're looking at each other straight in the eye John, like John Merrill is supposed to continue to play forward in his own end and, and say do him is supposed to play down low instead of sort of uh, you know flipping back out and and that is really abnormal according to this other NHL player that I said in most systems in the league and so you know part of me thinks until they tighten things up everywhere like, they almost need to stop with the allowing these forwards to just completely just, you know, almost with abandon, just go into the offensive zone and, and confuse things. Like, they, they've almost got to win a game 2-1 and get back to playing defense because they, they don't – the one thing they were doing earlier this year is they were outscoring their mistakes, and now it's not happening that way anymore, and their defensive play is so loose that I, I you almost need to just tighten up, start from basics, and do what jockeys used to do and put a freaking, you know –
0: rubber band on these guys. Well, I think what they also needed was what they had today, which was a a practice on attention uh, attention to detail in your own zone, focus on that part of the game, and I think we'll see it again when they have another practice later this week. The schedule just hasn't allowed for a ton of practice time, and they've been trying to get guys healthy, trying to get guys back in the lineup, so a lot of those days where you could have practiced they've passed but having one today they have another one in between wednesday and saturday's game and i'd be surprised if it wasn't similar to today's in hard working but attention to detail in your own zone coverage breakout all that kind of stuff those things those are things that you have to practice and you can't coach skill you either have it or you don't but you can coach defensive zone structure and I just think, but in order to do it, you have to have time on the ice and uh that today's practice was was really good, and I would imagine that that'll be the focus again when they practice in between the next two A lot of f bombs flying in practice today, which is my favorite type of practice um
1: it, it, Dean was Dean came to team, Dean came to coach the players came to play, and we had Kaprizov after after the game in the uh you know in the interview room after practice in the interview room and there's nothing about him racking up points right now that he's happy but he's not happy with his defensive play he's not happy with the team losing and he made it extremely clear which just shows you again why he's such a special player anthony
0: yeah that line i thought was one of their it was one of their most ineffective games the other night i just and i yeah, thought defensively they were, defensively they were up. and defensively they were they they just Disinterested is a strong word, and not the right word, but they, they for sure were a step slower in their own zone than what we've seen, and they got to get those guys going, and yeah. those those guys have to carry the load, and they have all year long, and Kaprizov's numbers dictate that. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's in the top six in the league in scoring, and that is so foreign to what the Minnesota Wild have ever had, ever been, and he still has the ability to change games that way, but yeah. at the same time. You can't be on the ice for a goal against every single night. And I I thought they were... I thought The other night, I thought, was one of their... uh, A game they struggled in their own zone, to say the least. Yeah, no doubt about it. If you have a question, come on up. You get a raffle
1: ticket for a uh, lawn chair from a a grain belt as well. If you have uh, beer specials, all that. What did you think of the Miko ceremony? I loved it. Um, You had the best seat in the house. Uh, You were standing right behind him during his speech. Uh, Outstanding job that he did during the speech. I was amazed at how... Um, Emotional, he got I think that has to do with a lot of things uh, you know just the pride of him seeing his number up there and breaking down what was your uh, you had the best view
0: of him breaking down yeah, I thought it was I thought it was great I thought his speech was really good I was impressed by your voice holding up <laughs> it's been a tough year cork yeah. in the eye a couple broken ribs and a lost voice yeah. it's it's been a tough year but do, it, you do, know.
1: Before you uh, finish, so you're calling the game the other night, and obviously I don't hear it, but I'm seeing the Twitter reaction, and I'm just liking that tweet after tweet after tweet, just making funny. I just <laughs> loved it. Um, funny, but but I wasn't funny, looking at those. The funniest tweet that I got, that, and by the way, I was sending all these tweets to Margo. Um, so the funniest tweet was the one that asked if you got a cork to the throat. So <laughs> I thought that was clever. If that one was yeah, if but, that um, person was here, you get an athletic phone wallet right now
0: because you made me choke. Yeah, it was, uh, no, it was it was bad. I, Wednesday night, we went to Detroit, and I went out for dinner with a, my former boss, who's a good friend of mine, and we sat down at dinner, and I couldn't talk loud enough for him to hear me across the table, and he just looked That's at me. That's everybody's dream. And, yeah, I know, and he said, how in the world are you going to call a game? I, said, I got 48 hours. Well, it wasn't much better on Friday night. It was, it was, it was tough, and it was better Sunday. I was happy. I would have hated to have, number one, I would have hated to have had to back out of the ceremony altogether. Number two, I would have hated to not be able to do it justice by struggling through yeah. it with a with a lousy voice. So it was it was an honor to be a part of it. It was really cool. I mean, we've seen a few of these in other buildings. We were in Dallas when Madonna's jersey got retired. We were in New York for Lundquist earlier this year. Aginla. We were in Calgary for a And it's... It was pretty cool to be a part of it here, and I had a number of people who said, you know, I wasn't even going to watch it, because I thought, what the, what's the big deal? And I'm so glad I did watch it, because it was it was worth it. And I had a friend of mine who was at the game who said, I'd never seen anything like that before. And so it was, I thought the Wild did a great job yeah. with it. I thought the presentation was cool. The way they had it set up on the ice was cool. and And then you mentioned Miko's speech. I thought Miko did a great job. He's not... It's not his comfort zone to be talking in front of a crowd like that. It's not his comfort zone to be talking about himself. And but I thought he he really did a good job. And it, clearly his kids are the world to him. And it was fun to watch them interact. And and the moment when the jersey went up, I mean that's a that's pretty special. Yeah, I mean he was quivering. You know, it's pretty it was pretty
1: unreal. It was uh, like we haven't seen Miko before, and um, you know pretty, pretty neat to see. And I did, I agree with you. The Wild did a really good job, but, you know, uh, it looked awesome. Um, you know, even just the way that they, you know, all the guests that, I mean, this, this is an expensive thing they did, you know, several hundred, you know, well into the six figures to bring everybody in there, put them up, host the party, all that type of stuff. And, um, you know, the way that they even allowed them to be a part of it with the, with the let's play hockey, it was just perfect. Um, you know, uh, I, w- I was at first surprised that, like, uh, you know, people like Chuck Fletcher and Doug Riseborough weren't on the dais, but in hindsight, it really was perfect having just Craig and Miko talk.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, I agree with all that. And, it, and they had a great party afterward at Herbie's for mm-hmm. all the former staff and players and teammates and everything, which was all great. But some I of just, them I looked like they could still play, <laughs> like Stoner. and Some of them do, yeah. there's no doubt. And I, I think for an organization – Doing something like that for the very first time, I, I really think they did a great job. It Keith, was it was really Keith Carney also just doesn't look like he's aged. I mean, you know, he was That's
1: old when the Wild got him. I think he, when the when he was remember he was the oldest defenseman to score an overtime winner, followed by Joe Sakic being the oldest forward to score an overtime winner in back to back games in that Colorado Minnesota series and. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's pretty cool.
0: Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at
1: experts.com. well you can tell by the temperature out spring is almost here do you have any new projects on your list maybe you need some repairs i know you've heard me talk about aquarius home services and heating and cooling water and plumbing services a lot but did you know they also do electrical aquarius home services has limited time electrical offers for the month of march Get an electrical safety inspection for only ninety-eight dollars, or get any electrical repair for sixty-five bucks off. With Aquarius, you'll enjoy respectful, on-time professional service and no surprise upfront pricing. Trust my friends over at Aquarius Home Services. They strive on earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeservices.com and don't forget to mention Russo sent you.
0: That morning that I tore my ACL, MCL, meniscus on the ski slopes, I did not want to go to the doctor because I knew that they were, Margo was going to snap. So, but I did. And Dr. Boyd did a tremendous job on it. And, and I, we've got a couple friends who right now are going through ACL surgery and rehab. And I just, just trust your doctor because that's what I did with Dr. Boyd at TRIA. He gave me the exact dates at this many months, you'll feel this at this many months, you'll feel this. He turned out that he was almost to the day exactly right with the rehab process. And I came back. Bigger, faster, stronger than I had ever been before. So if you, whether you're an athlete trying to get yourself back on the field or you're just a guy like me that was hoping that his wife would let him go skiing again, (laughs) if you've got an injury, go to Tree Orthopedics. Here's a word from Bosch Law Firm.
1: Joe, question. Hey, guys. What's up? Am I on? Okay, there you go. Uh, Just wondering (laughs) if you have any good anecdotes from the weekend. Watching I the Miko gonna, thing. I thought you, the way you look went up to that yeah. mic. I thought you were gonna sing karaoke <laughs> for it. You don't I mean, want to hear that. Am I on? Yeah. And no. then like just go into like a rendition. I'm make sure something. everybody can hear. You know. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of guys there. It looked like a packed house. Yeah, Anthony. Yeah. Know, with the old it was. Timers. Uh, it was I have some
0: highlights. Do I don't? Uh, I wasn't really around for any of the interactions, kind of behind the scenes, where I mean, nothing that would be like colorful that would really shed any light on anything. The one thing I did think was funny was we were we had Miko on in the broadcast that night in the one of the intermissions and we showed a couple highlights of key moments in his career. And we showed the in his thousandth game, remember he scored the shootout winner against Dallas and went to his patented move, and so we show it, and I asked him about it. I mean, it's like a storybook. The guy's playing in his 1,000th game. He delivers the winner in the shootout with the same move. He scored on more shootout goals than anybody in the league. And I asked him about it, and the first thing he says is, yeah, but Al Stalock had to make the next save to win it for us. And it yep. was, that is so Miko. That's how he was wired. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about, it was, we won the game because Al made the next save, and that to me stood out. It was one of the moments that stood out to me from t- chatting with him.
1: Yeah, my, my uh, I have a bunch of favorite things. I mean, one, I, I did a couple podcasts with Chris Stewart and Pure Mark Bouchard, and that was really fun. Um, you know, I was sitting down with Stewie and talking about Minnesota hockey camps it was cool. And, and hearing some inside stuff about how the Stewie Sprint started and the Dumba Goal celebration, um, that was neat. And then, But, then, you know, really getting, uh, I, I met up with uh, Pierre-Marc Bouchard at the St. Paul Hotel. We did a podcast and we had time, some time to spend together and it was just uh, really neat. The one thing about Bouchard is he used to make fun of my typing. He used to drive me the crazy when he was up in the press box. And, you know, I was sitting in the Star Tribune seat, which is right there on the left side, sort of the left center of this press box, and he'd be in the, Booth right next to Anthony, and he—I j- look up there, and he'd be like this to me, and I like hunting and pecking, so. After the podcast, he asked me if my typing had gotten any better, and that, that, that bothered me. So then he comes up during the second intermission to talk to Tom Reed uh, for a radio interview on the fan, and he, all of a sudden I get this tap on my shoulder, and he looks at me, and goes, hasn't gotten any better. And then honestly, and that was during the second intermission, it like rattled me for the rest of the intermission. I was like unable to, to write during the intermission because I was so worried about him watching the way that I, uh, that I type. Uh, so it's not up to his standards. The other neat thing that that you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff is what I love. Is so down downstairs after the game. Uh, the press conference room that we, were t- that we were t- uh, had had Dean and the players in was right across from Andrew Height, the uh, Team Services guy's office, and in there was Miko and his three kids, and just watching them coexist and how uh, cool of a father he was it was pretty neat. His kids are really cute. And then all of a sudden, the Kyle Granlin walks in there, and next thing you know, Dumbo walks in there and a bunch of guys, and they just start chatting it up. Luke Cunning walks in there, and it's just like a whole little wild get-together in Andrew Height's office. Speaking
0: so. of that, what would you think of Nashville's players not coming out for? The, very so, strange. So when the Wild it, yeah. were in New York, every single Wild player was out for the ceremony. Same, and why? Same in Calgary, yep. same in Dallas. Yep. And because this just doesn't happen very often. Yeah, and Dean at the morning skate, Anthony said, because it's the respectful thing to do. Right. You know? And so Nashville, guys, there were two guys. It was Granlin and Cunnan came out on the bench, and that was it. I thought that was a... I thought it was a classless move yeah, by the Predators. I, I, I really absolutely
1: did. do. I totally agree with you. Um, totally agree with you.
0: Uh, question? Yeah, it's a little off topic, but uh, I was wondering, are you guys excited to cover games in Arizona, having it only be 5,000 people in the <laughs> arena? I'm
1: excited to cover games in Arizona anytime. So, <laughs> um, as long as it's not like the old America West arena where...
0: But we, you we, love going to the, to the current hotel because they give you free coffee. The arena sucks. It, no, it doesn't. It, the there's, great there's, press box. It's, it's the, a they mediocre got the cigar press bar, box. The
1: cigar bar in the local, in the little uh, arena district there.
0: It's a mediocre but press box, but I, I mean, and it's a terrible area. There's not a good meal to be had anywhere bologna. in that spot
1: bologna well uh, sorry I, you know there's not a good meal to be had that you can't said, spend two hundred dollars no. at the tell, meal okay, tell that's me where Anthony's tell good me where meal. you
0: get a good yeah. dinner in the glendale area you know you can go to the yard house the yard house is the only and it's a chain restaurant which i the greek stand, restaurant's but, good it's fast food yeah it's
1: not it's yes it's, it fast is. it's greek a fast food, food restaurant it's, fast greek it's like food saying i can go
0: to Hardee's because they have a good burger yeah um there's nothing there. I'm, I'm excited just to go anywhere else. So it, yeah, no, well, it, and,
1: and that's the other reason. We're going to be in Tempe. It's close right. to uh, going to that Bourbon and Bones, that incredible restaurant I found there in, uh, in uh, Scottsdale. Um, so uh, I'm excited to go there. I think as long as the press box is not – so when, when the games were at America West Arena back in, you know, before Anthony was uh, uh, doing NHL games, they started at America West in the old basketball rink, and we were sitting in the lower bowl – and in front of us were fans. And if a goal would be scored, they all of a sudden the fan in front of you would take your TV and turn it toward them. And I'd be like, uh, "Excuse me, I know you paid two hundred dollars for your seat, but I'm the one working here, so give me my TV back." So as long as that doesn't happen, but I'm—I I'm mean, hey, uh, it's—but to get you know to get to your point, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I mean, this is—I'm still not completely convinced it's a hundred percent going to happen, but. It's amazing to me that the league is
0: allowing this. Um, I, it, it's, it's it's bizarre ridiculous. that they wouldn't yeah. have figured if you knew it was headed to yeah. this. They were never going to be in Glendale yeah. long term, and it just seems strange. And I'm surprised it takes three years. The only reason why I think it actually could happen is because
1: Bill, Gary Bettman is a is a stubborn guy, and he has put his essentially commissionership on the line to protect this one franchise. And it's just like at some point he's just not going to turn away and say, we're moving to Houston. So, I mean, it just feels like they're going there. You yep. crazy. Does that mic uh, need to be lowered for you or are you good? Probably. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. By the way, if you want to grab an athletic phone wallet.
0: <laughs> so this team seems to have a lot of momentum going into the All-Star break most years, I would say. What happens after that? Drinking. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, they're Going the only the team that goes somewhere warm on the All-Star break. They really enjoy their All-Star breaks. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question to ask. I mean, and you know, you never know the answer when you're heading into it. They were beat up a little bit, and we were talking about, like, it's a good time to let some guys get some rest. At the same time, it's the team was playing well, and you don't want to disrupt momentum it's and i don't know that it's always just been the break they've just always seemed to hit a little bit of a wall at this point in the season in recent years i'm not sure and i don't know if there's any any consistent reason as to why any correlation to the all-star break but this year it's been a different club coming out of the break yeah no doubt about that i
1: agree with you you coming up to ask another question or do you really want one of these athletic phone wallets (laughs) well that too but I, i need a new chair Oh, you're just gonna stack the ballot box? Yeah, that's I what it. I got
0: to do. Uh, question. So I got to enjoy Journey and the high school hockey tournament at the XL Energy Center. Did you guys get to watch any of the high school hockey, or do you guys? I what's your the favorite chi- event at uh, the XL? Not the Wild related. Well, I watched the games. Is it, it? I'm a big high school hockey guy, and I love it. And it, unfortunately, we we have to be on the road when they're playing. So it's, we, Thursday night and Friday night had games in Detroit and Columbus, but I had the stream on the computer and was kind of keeping one eye on it as we were going. Saturday night, I was able to watch the big school final, and I went to the Journey concert last night. Oh, yeah, hey, nice, So I've seen them all. <laughs> it was a great game. Yeah, it was, the, the double-A final was unbelievable. Unbelievable. One of the better high school hockey games I've ever, I've ever seen. Who's your uh, favorite uh, Journey lead singer? Steve Perry or no? Well, Steve Perry, yeah. for sure. But this guy is, have you seen him with this no. guy? His name's Pineda. I can't remember his oh, first yeah, name. Oh, yeah, i on TV. He's, he's, sung, been the, yeah. he's been their guy for 15 years. And the first time we saw him, the last time they were here was maybe four or five years ago. And we watched him sing, and he runs around the stage. And number one, he sounds a lot like Steve Perry. Yeah. Number two, he runs around the stage, and he's jumping around and everything. And we walked away. Would have bet he was 25 years old. We got in the car and Googled him. We found out he was the same age as me. And they, like this guy, he's got a lot more agility than I do at this age in life. Let's just say that. Not to mention the pipes. Yeah. But he's really, really good. It was a great show last night. Yeah. Brody? Uh, my question Brody for you talks guys. Brody uh, rival podcast.
1: Yeah, a little bit of a rivalry. But uh, <laughs> my question for you guys is who do you think we match up the best against uh, in the playoffs this year? Um,
0: I'll go with. Uh... And Why?
1: That's a good question.
0: It, assuming that that it's going to be either St. Louis or Nashville, which it's looked like that all year long, it was going to be one of those two teams. I, you know, I suppose you could finish fourth and wind up playing Calgary or whoever wins the Pacific, but boy, all three of those would be would be difficult matchups. Yeah. And and Minnesota would be a difficult matchup for them. I I think all three of those would be pretty competitive series.
1: Yeah, St. Louis is interesting. The Cairo element, where he adds speed like that, like I think there could be exposed goaltending wise. The Cairo element, he is so good. Um, I would like to see them go up against St. Louis, but uh, selfishly, I want to see him go play Nashville for obvious reasons. Has to do with uh, the Broadway. (laughs) Um, I always, I always, um, I always choose the best matchup based on uh, what I want, and I don't want to go to St. Louis. No, so. I don't want
0: to go to St. Louis. I wouldn't mind going to Calgary. Calgary's fun. Yeah. But you know, Nashville's the only central well now Arizona's in the central, but prior to that, they were the only one, the only central division team the Wild hadn't played in the playoffs yeah. yet. It's, uh, and so it seemed fitting that maybe this year is the year yeah. you play them. I just have this funny feeling we're gonna end up going head to head with St. Louis again in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. And Yeah, we'll see. Yep. Pablo. <laughs> All right, so
1: Russo, you talked a lot in the past about how... Um, <laughs> I thought i get a better laugh there. So um, uh, is there any, like there's only one person in this entire uh, uh, building that uh, bakes cookies on the side, but also de-ices aircraft. And that's the guy at the uh, speaker at, at the microphone right now. Yeah, I thought long and hard about this one. So um, in the past, Russo, you talked a lot about how like the Wild and other teams tend to get in a groove when they can play games frequently, but for the Wild this year, it's been like the opposite. You know, they... They had a game a week for about two months and were really rolling, winning every game. Um, And now they got whatever you had, 40 games in 77 days. And it seems like they can't find a groove now playing every other night. Um, I'm curious as to why you think that is. What's different about this team that makes them that way or any other insights you have? I don't know. I mean, you know, that was my concern going into this is that they would, one, tire them out, but two... um, you know, just that they would find that energy every single night to play the same way. It is so hard to jack yourself up every single night to play such a hard game. And I think that's what Dean had said the other night, is that they just, they lacked a commitment. You know, the the, the, the back-breaking goal, the fourth goal, is just, you know, I mean, that needs to be blocked by Greenway. And
0: and that we saw that throughout the game. Um, and I, I don't know. I think when you're going great, you want to play every other night. And the last thing you want is five nights off. Mm -hmm. And then when you're going poorly, you feel like we just need a couple days off to to rest, reset, and let's go. And they just don't have it. It's the challenge with this heavy finish to the season is that everybody had a heavy finish to the season. The Wilds was a little bit heavier than everybody else's, but it wasn't that different. But it was all designed to be coming after you had three weeks off. And now you didn't have the three weeks off. So it's you You didn't have everybody at full strength when you started this stretch. You had guys in the heat of the battle, beat up, banged up, bruised. And, and you, you hear it every year when the season ends, and all of a sudden you find out what this guy was playing through and what that guy had as an ailment, and this guy's going to have surgery, and that guy needs six weeks of rest or whatever it is. And I don't doubt for a minute this team's got a lot of that stuff going on right now, and they've just got to find a way to push through it and fight through it. And I keep feeling like all it's going to take is, I thought the Buffalo game had it. When they scored to go up 3-2, I thought it was going to be this. All right, now they've just, they've regained control. They're going to start to move. Well, then they they let that lead get away. It just, they haven't been able to finish here over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Question? Yeah, I got kind of a strange one for you. Um, I was watching the Wild with Joe the other night, and we got to talking about equipment. And I wondered if you're aware of any Non-regulation equipment outside of things that we've seen people cheat with before, like sticks and goalie pads. I'm just curious if this is something that actually happens with other equipment and ways that people might try and gain a competitive advantage, just out of curiosity.
1: Boy, I'm not I don't know. I, name I haven't,
0: I haven't ever heard players talk about it. So yeah, I, I mean I the one, the one thing in the probably not.
1: Yeah, but. and the one thing in the league is they allow you know pl- players to use all sorts of stuff under their gear that you know that. Other, you know we, we see it all the time when guys take their stuff off and it's like everybody's everybody's different but i don't i don't see that i mean you know uh, you definitely don't see nearly as much years ago as, as there is now like or now as there is years ago of like blades being too you know they, they you almost never see that ever called Didn't, i think Bujor did it once here um you now i used to see it all the time Whenever Colorado played Florida, it was unbelievable. They just go after each other, and it was because you know the trainers were essentially taking a peek at each other's equipment. But uh, no, not that I know of. Um, you know, one day we should get like a Tony DeCosta to come to one of these uh, podcasts. I think it'd be fun to hear <laughs> those type of things. It would be really cool. Uh, March twenty second, by the way, we'll be back here at Split Rocks, uh, so definitely come on out. Hey, I want to tell you about my friends over at Profile. Staying healthy during Minnesota winters isn't easy. Short days and cold nights make it hard to eat right and stay active. Uh, So do long plane rides and long road trips, by the way. Um, But don't panic. I have a solution for you, and the solution is called Profile. When you join Profile, you're assigned a certified health coach who is with you every step of the way. In fact, today at practice, I talked to Deb, my Profile health coach, on the phone. The coaches are amazing, and the food is delicious. Profile worked for me, and it can work for you too. Don't delay. Visit ProfilePlan.com slash cities. And launch your transformation today. Tell them that Russo sent you. That's slash twin cities.
0: Kowalski's is the place to go for the best food. And when you're going to have a great meal, you got to start with great ingredients. And I always do that at Kowalski's. We do, had a couple really good ones lately. We had Akushi strips last night for dinner. We had halibut the night before with a pistachio crust on it that was awesome. And I've mentioned to people this. I think I might've called it the buck bucket, but it's really, I saw the sign yesterday. It's called the cheese bucket, but it's the same thing. It's the gist of it is that you get the great cheeses. So if you go there, check it out, it's in their little deli area and try the Bella Santori soaked in cognac. It like costs like $90 a pound, but you get a little chunk of it for like seven or eight bucks and it's worth it you just have a couple slices of it you'll love it you won't be disappointed check it out the cheese bucket at kowalski's just another reason to go there
1: everything is about to change if you've been watching the news you know that interest rates are likely to rise several times in 2022 That means the time to sell your home is now. Buyers want to buy before rates go up, so they're highly, highly motivated. And if you're holding out because you can't find a place to move to next, well, Christendal Real Estate has the perfect solution to help you. It's their Guaranteed Offer Program. Guaranteed Offer means you can sell now while your equity is high, then pick your closing date so you have more time to buy while interest rates are at historic lows. Bottom line, when interest rates rise, selling opportunities fade. Now is the perfect time to sell your current home and find your next one. But the window is closed. Closing fast. By this time next year, don't regret sitting on the sidelines while others perfectly time the real estate market. Act now and take advantage of this unique and once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Join thousands of other homeowners who have already received a guaranteed offer by Kristen Dahl dot-com today. That's Chrisandall.com. That's Chris with a K. Some terms and conditions apply. Question:
0: Yeah, the uh, the contract everybody's talking about is it the Shea Weber? Is that right? The
1: one that? Yeah. Okay. Do you see the uh, Wild entertaining that at all? No, no, that that was a wild goose chase, and it's not going to happen. No okay. doubt about it. All right. My second question is this: You know, after the uh, the Wild lose. You know, Dean Everson comes on in the press conference. He's cool. He's collected. He's kind of of matter-of-fact. What's he like in
0: practices lately? Does he ever really, you know, go ape shit like uh, Yo did once in that practice? Today it was pretty close. Yeah, yeah. He
1: did at the very beginning of practice. He was... uh dropping F-bombs, our power play sucks, this sucks, these suck, everybody sucks, sucks. He
0: tried to downplay it a little bit by saying that it was, it was just because we didn't have a pre-practice yeah. meeting in the room so we had it on the ice, but I think it was... Now I want to be in those pre-practice meetings. Right. Now he's an intense guy, but I also think he is a... There's a reason why the players respond to him. I don't think he's losing his mind on a regular basis. Every once in a while there's got to be an attention-getting speech, but he know, he's got a pretty good feel for when to push those buttons and when to, when to just trust the guys will take care of it on their own. Do okay. you believe this
1: Arizona Coyotes team, by the way? it's just scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring.
0: No, but that was a tremendous point that really followed up to his question yeah. well. I, uh, <laughs> I can tell you're tuned in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, last,
1: the last thing I want to ask is, you know, you're around the team all the time, and uh, the general feeling of being around the team are they are they uptight are they pissed off
0: are they discouraged what
1: no they uh, uh, well that was what i was gonna say like the one thing that we're seeing about from dean in practices lately is he's we're seeing an edge to him now and i i see that with the players too um when i talk to them on the side they are not happy about certain stuff
0: i mean it's just, but they're not uptight yeah they're not i yeah, uptight. I, I, don't know. I think they're i think there's an urgency to them but they're not uptight they're this is a they still have some confidence, but I also think they're all just starting to say, you know what, this has kind of gone on long enough. Oh, it's time." That, that's to- what I mean. I mean, yep. they are,
1: when I talk to them on the side, they are. They cannot believe that they have done this to themselves in the standings. Right. I mean, they had a locked playoff spot, and they're still actually, if you look at the models, they're 98%, because, you know, one, one issue is that the Pacific teams are pretty much when one falls out, the others, you know, they're not falling in the wild card spot, so the math still works in their favors, but you know, there's a lot of things right now that they've got to repair. One, they keep on losing at home, which is so unlike them. Two, their penalty kill is terrible. Three, their power play is terrible. Four, they're hemorrhaging goals against. Five, they can't win a draw. Six, they're giving up empty net goals. I mean, these are major issues. Their game has totally fractured right now. And it's it's going to need – and the way it's, it's collapsed, they're going to have to slowly but surely fix their games right now. And it looked like it was happening against Columbus. And then you have a game against Nashville where – You know, they just played okay against a team that that looked like they came to absolutely play and sacrifice, and the Wild did not. Any uh, uh, player-only meetings happen yet? Um, They did have one uh, recently at the end. It wasn't it wasn't like you know like the old thirty-minute type uh, deals. But um, by the way, if you haven't put your name in, you could do it three times. Um, You know, you can even take an athletic uh, wallet. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, look, they they've had some they've had some
0: choice things. Uh, They have. And but the one of the things this coaching staff and I've talked to some of the assistants about this, too. They've always talked about the fact that the this the players have really taken control of the room and they've taken control of their performance where even within games where we've asked, boy, what was said between the first and second period? And the coaches, we didn't say anything we walked in the room and the players were already having the discussion that we would have had with them so we just let it go and i i think that's maybe they i don't want to say got comfortable but maybe they got they just expected that the players would be able to work through this and and now they need some attention to detail so we'll see if today's practice has an impact so i read or heard something that tyson jost is going to get a chance to be in an elevated role and to succeed well they didn't really give that to Rem Pitlick and just let him go for nothing. I mean, is there any real difference in the players
1: or? Well, Rem did play up in the lineup at times. I mean, he got he got definitely elevated roles, but um, the difference in the players is one is really good defensively and the other is not. I mean, that's that's what that's what it came down to. They didn't trust uh, Rem in defensive situations, and because of that, they didn't feel he was suited for a fourth line role. So, that's wouldn't you agree
0: there? Yeah, and I. Yes, for sure. And, I mean, Tyson, he might get... He's not going to supplant one of the top six unless somebody's banged up. And so, I mean, he's going to be in the same spot that Rem Pitlick was. And if you want to be in the lineup, you have to you have to show that you can be committed in a fourth-line role. Maybe it's a fourth-line role with power play time, but, I mean, they're not going to put him in place of Matt Boldy. They're not going to put him in place of Matt Zuccarello. I mean, that where is, where is he going to go? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean... You know they could put him on the third and fourth line, and he's going to do well there. I mean the one
1: number i mean look he's on he's supposed to be a better offensive player. it so far hasn't transpired maybe because he was behind a lot of guys in in Colorado, although one reason why they went out and and added players to strengthen their top six, especially their second line was that because Jost was not uh panning out. He hasn't had a great year, but he's been you know his numbers show that he's been really good defensively, and he's a really quality penalty killer. Which right now this team needs a boost on, so that's that's what it comes down to. But um, you know, this is uh, you know, you know, I, I got a kick out of the other day. I put out you know just showing where Boldy was in rookie scoring, and everybody noticed that Rem Pitlick was right above him. But Boldy wouldn't be on the team if Rem Pitlick was still here. So I mean, like there, you know, there's a difference there. People were like saying, well, what, you know, oh, I guess we could have had both guys. That's not the way it works. Uh, Rem's been a great find so far for the Montreal Canadiens, but in the role that he was in here. They just didn't feel like he was. And he wasn't going to play ahead of Boldy
0: here. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Okay.
1: I got a non wild question mainly for Anthony. so now for the summer, I'm planning on working in the pro shop at Loggers. And I'm just curious oh, for nice. you. Um, well, you're what a are busy your, guy. Yeah, geez. Uh, switching guy's up D. all the I time. I see my plane the other day. I look out <laughs> the window and there's this mustache. I'm like, I know who it is.
0: <laughs> but uh, my question for Anthony is what are your three favorite public golf courses in the Twin Cities? Well, Loggers is right up there, it, especially in terms of the bang for the buck, I would say. it's It's a tremendous course for for what you pay. They do a great job keeping it in tremendous shape always. I love the people there. And it's a competitive, challenging course. So that that's right up there. But I would say I, I really like uh, white I get these mixed up all the time. White Eagle in, over in the Hudson area. I always get White Birch and Golden Eagle mixed up. But White Eagle I like over there, other than two holes. I hate two holes, but I like the rest of the course. It's really picturesque in there. But I think maybe my favorite public course might be Stone Ridge, which I, the, I love their greens, they're fast, and I like the variety of holes on their course. But those are probably the three I play most often. If you're going to be at Loggers, I'll see you there a fair amount. You should get them to the
1: sponsor the podcast, Anthony.
0: We can work on that. Get going. Question? Yeah, I want to ask about Ben Myers. Mm-hmm. And I know the Wild are interested in him. But as you've said, McBain and stuff don't want to sign here. So what are the Wild going to do to try to convince him? Yeah, and they're going to have to
1: sell him on it. You know, I mean, they went and saw him the other night. Uh, um, Dylan, Dylan Laux, who uh, covers them for Gophers Hole, said that um, Judd Brackett, uh, Perpich – Brian Hunter and Bill Guerin were at the game the other night, where Ben Myers had another big game. So I think that just shows you how much they want him. But uh, they're going to have to try to sell him on 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 look that you're going to get an elevated role in this in this organization, Um, you know. And 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 the problem with college free agents too is that there's or even college players like Jack McBean, there's always people behind the scenes tampering and so Ben Myers might know right now where he's going. Jack, I mean that that's the one thing right now is Jack McBain probably knows where he wants to go and that and now it's just a matter of working out a trade. And so you always just have to worry about that stuff and and so with Ben Myers, they're going to do they've made it extremely clear to him last year and this year that they want to sign him. They've got to develop a relationship with him. I'm sure a lot of that's done and then hope when their season's over that he signs and they're going to have to burn the year. He's not going to be able to play in the playoffs. Um, you know, which is what what really stings them about McBain is that McBain would have been able to play in the playoffs if they'd signed him, and they were always telling him that he was going to be in that Nico Sperms role. We knew Nico was on the outs here. I mean, it was so clear uh, the last little while, and that they were going to put McBain in that situation, and obviously hasn't ha- hasn't worked with him, and now you got to try it with Ben Myers.
0: The college free agents are always interesting too because they're they're wooed at mm-hmm. this point, and it, I, I think they get inflated value because. It's anybody that you see that maybe could help you somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then most of them end up being fourth-line guys in the NHL. There's a reason why they weren't drafted in the first place. I think I like Ben Myers a lot. And that's not like a blanket statement. There are times where guys have slipped through the cracks, and all of a sudden they get a chance, and they turn into really good, really productive players. Myers might be that. I really like him a lot as a player and – I think his game translates fairly well to the National Hockey League, but it's not a no-brainer, and it's not like this guy's going to jump in and all of a sudden be your first-line winger. It's funny. When the Wild
1: signed Casey Wellman, uh, I probably did like a 50-inch story in the Star Tribune about him. It's still it's bit it's like a joke with the editors there that I got 50 inches on a guy that basically never had any uh, hope of being in the NHL uh, you know because they were so excited and I was all excited because his dad was is Brad Brad Wellman who played Major League Baseball and played for the Xbox. Well, but it, it's um, a
0: bidding war and it's the only time yeah. you really have a bidding war for guys like that yeah. and so th- all of a sudden yeah we got him we got him we got him well a lot of times then you get him and he ends up like well, all right, that didn't really matter yeah. much. Some work, most don't. I mean, right. you know, Nate Prosser worked. Nico Sturm is going to have
1: a good career. Um, you know, Chris Kuna. I mean, there there's a there's a there there are great examples of guys, Justin Schultz. But most of them, you know, don't don't even you know you know wind up uh, playing in the league. Pretty much, you know. I remember, you know, I mean, hate to say it like this because I actually think he's a really good player. But Mitch Chafee's is a perfect example. He signed here. He th- probably thought he was going to be an NHLer at this point. He got one call up so far. It was a healthy scratch. You know, he probably, where's he? You know, he looks at this wild lineup right now. He's got to say, well, where the hell am I going to ever play? It just, you
0: know, it doesn't happen. And that's the sales pitch you have to give to yeah. a guy like Myers to say, all right, well, number one, we have a chance to win, but we also have a spot where you might be able to yeah. help. yeah. And, and
1: I guarantee you that's what
0: Bill Guerin is going to say to him. It's like, look, we're not bringing back Nico
1: Sturm. Um, you know, sign here right now. You're going to be on this roster next year. I mean, you never want to promise a guy something. He's still got to come to camp and earn it. But you talk to anybody, and he's very, you know, he's NHL-ready to play in a bottom-six role, and we'll see. I mean, you know, when I, I remember when I was covering the U during the lockout a couple of years ago, I did a story where I talked to uh, – was it lockout or was it just one of the pandemic-shortened seasons? I did a story where I interviewed uh, Jack, McB- Jack LaFontaine, And, um, you know, he he basically went on and on and on about what type of player Ben Myers is, his workout regimen, you know, in the hockey house. He said he was working out to such a degree he looked like a silverback gorilla because he was in such a great shape, upper body, all that type of stuff. So, um, any other questions? Did you have another one? Yeah, I I cut you off. So, again, March 22nd back here at Split Rocks. Come on down, come on down.
0: Yeah, I got a question about our prospects. We have like, five defensive prospects and there's no room yeah so what's the plan are we going to trade some of them eventually or is he just waiting so.
1: you know that's why I'm a little surprised that he's not at least looking to trade one of them now because they can't all uh, they can all play here I mean when I talk to him he doesn't want to trade any of them um and they do you know like it's not just Caitlin Addison it's it's Jack Peart it's it's uh you know it's Damon Hunt, it's Ryan O'Rourke, it's Karrison Lambos, it's Marshall Warren suddenly looks like he's going to be a player, and and, uh, so you have all these players, and you look at the lineup, and you have Brodine and Spurgeon locked up for the foreseeable future. You have Dumbo, who we know, you know, he's either going to have to get traded this summer or be extended, probably. Um, He's somebody that we think that Bill Guerin wants to re-sign. Um... So that it leaves only three other spots. And, and uh, so, yeah, at some point they are going to have to be moved. Um, but the question is, like the one thing is I think the Wild want to figure out what the exact pecking order for all these, all these guys are. You know, like I was talking to a scout the other day that said, well, Ryan O'Rourke's probably on the bottom of all of them. But the, you know what's really interesting about that, and somebody else pointed to me, this out to me yesterday, is that if Ryan O'Rourke was two years older – we wouldn't even think that the Wild would need to go out and get bigger and tougher and go get a Ben Sherrod or a Josh Manson or something like that. You know, like like Ryan O'Rourke is what they lack on their blue line. You know, it's it's just an interesting thing.
0: Never a bad thing to have too many commodities though on the blue line. Yeah, it's it, it's crazy how many times you look at an organization who feels like they've got an excess, and the next thing you know they're scrambling to find a fifth and sixth. And Mm -hmm. I I don't think Minnesota will be in that spot, but I don't think they're in any hurry to say we got to move one of these guys right now because we have too many.
1: Yep. We'll let Brody put his name down. Uh,
0: You said you like to, uh,
1: what's it called, cover games in Arizona. What would you guys (laughs) say is your favorite place to cover an NHL game? That's a good question. Um, I love Madison Square Garden. Yeah,
0: I mean, it depends on, are you talking about the... Fly in the night before, taking through, everything through into leaving? consideration. Okay, then it's different. The fan because, experience, right? The if food. it's just
1: like Anthony always thinks $200 dinner, where's no, the best $200 dinner? It to doesn't have?
0: have to be $200. We just had a great dinner in Philadelphia at a place called Dante and Luigi's. That's it's, Thanks for the that, uh,
1: it, thanks for the invite.
0: You had other friends in town and <laughs> couldn't make it, but it. If you're talking about just calling the game, that's a very different question, and that's, there are some great rinks with unbelievable sight lines that I like, but if it's the whole experience, like you're gonna fly in, have the night before off, then do the game and leave, Boston's tough to beat because I love the city, the arena's good, but I love the city. I love the eastern U.S. cities to spend an off night, whether it be Boston, New York, Washington, the history, yeah. out walking around, seeing where our country was formed, all that kind of stuff. is. I love all that. Then on top of it, a great meal. And then a good spot to call the game the next night. Yeah, it's funny you said
1: that. Kevin Kurz was there with San Jose yesterday. Or no, sorry, the Islanders. He was our former San Jose writer, and uh, so I told him like you got to go to the Hay Adams and just have a drink downstairs at the uh, off the record in bar. Washington. It's right, so cool. it's it's a great um, spot. You know what uh, is. Completely growing on me that I wish I grew on me when I covered the Panthers because we were there so long is Philadelphia. I, I actually just love downtown, all different restaurants. We went to an incredible restaurant there called Sa- Sam Pam, I think it's called, uh, 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 when we were there a couple weeks ago. I like
0: Philadelphia. Yeah.
1: Um, well, I mean, New York, uh, Vancouver, um,
0: L.A., Trying yeah, to think I what know, else. I Nashville. Do, LA does nothing for Vegas. me. Nashville, Nashville and Vegas are just different because they're all the other cities, there's at least some similarities to them. You go to Chicago, you go to New York, mm-hmm. there's going to be a great steakhouse, there's going to be a great Italian place, there's going to be jazz or piano bar music after dinner if you want. But Nashville and Vegas are just different. They're, it's like going to a, you know, it means it's like going to Vegas. And What's
1: your favorite broadcast position?
0: I'd say probably Montreal has the best sight line. Calgary is a close yeah. second. Those two have the great gondolas right over the ice where you're basically sitting on top of the penalty box to call the game. Those two are probably the best two sight lines yeah. right now. Detroit is not bad they, with their gondola. Uh, the problem in both, well Calgary more than Montreal is when they build these gondolas it's like a catwalk to get out there and then you're calling a game in a closet that's about the size of this table with two guys and a stats yeah. guy sitting there. So you're, you're kind of crammed in. That part I don't like, but the but the sight line itself is unbelievable.
1: Um, yeah, in my, my uh, first or second ever road game, my first road game ever as a full-time beat writer in the NHL when you probably weren't even alive, um, we were in Calgary. And just to show you how tight it was, um, Kirk Muller... Um, is either Kirk Muller or Radic Dvorak. I'm getting a little confused, but uh, one of them scored a breakaway goal. Kirk Muller scored a breakaway goal, coincidentally on their bench now, as an assistant coach, um, scores a breakaway goal to tie the game and put them in overtime. And Brian Begam from the Palm Beach Post um, gets up to walk to like another little closet to look at the replay. And this is back when your laptop essentially had a little—you push it in this little plug comes out, and that's where you plugged in your phone to send as a modem, like a dial-up type thing. And it's, it's like a little plastic piece, and he wraps his left foot around my cord that was in my computer, gets up to go, breaks the little clip off my laptop, and I watch it in slow motion fly over the press box and probably onto the bench, because we are, where we sat is right over the visitor's bench. And I looked at him in an absolute panic. This is my first ever road game as a beat writer, and um, and I had to wing the dictation at like 1:30 Eastern time on the uh, on the East Coast. That was also a game where a streaker ran on the ice, and the front page of the Calgary Sun the next day, right over his junk. They had a maple leaf, and it said "puck naked." That's another part of the story. Um, so I had to wing a winged dictation on our desk at 1:30 in the morning. Oh, it was just a nightmare. So I mean, it's a but oh, that's my favorite. I don't know what it is. That press box is still my favorite place because you are right over the ice.
0: Yeah, it's a great, um, it's a great spot. Remember Ed- Edmonton's
1: Inn. Rexall Place? was, that was also the same incredible. way. Incredible. Yeah,
0: it was yep. the same way. The yep. new place is terrible, but yeah. the old building was, was right up there with the best. Oh, uh,
1: just unbelievable.
0: And for us, we, we call from like suite. Uh, it's almost like concourse level, in a suite in both Dallas and Los Angeles. So both of those are are tremendous spots. Yeah. But the those gondolas are. There's no. There's nothing better,
1: yeah, no doubt about it. Any other questions uh, before we wrap up the show, man, you're really trying to win this chair <laughs>
0: uh, I want to ask about defensive rentals. Is there any chance we could get Carson Soucy back? I miss Carson <laughs> Um
1: probably could get him back. I don't know if you know I don't know I'd if say it's highly
0: more. unlikely yeah
1: is there I mean, any other defenseman that I don't know I mean. Like, Ben Sherat's interesting to me, but but Ben Chirot, they want a first-round pick or a first-round pick equivalent in a prospect. And when I talked to somebody within the wild today, they just felt like that was too steep a price to pay for a rental, let alone him. Like, if you're going to pay a first-round pick, you might as well get Giroux or Hurdle, right? Um, not not a defenseman like him that broke, uh, broke uh, Zach Parisi's clavicle in the It wouldn't surprise me if they
0: were at least out exploring uh a bigger, sturdier defenseman. Yeah. I don't. I haven't looked at the who's available in the rental yeah. market. I, I that think way, they but. wouldn't
1: mind a right shot guy and, and the one that might make sense, but he's not. He's not like a bruiser. But the one that might make sense is Justin Braun, and you can get him really cheaply, mid round pick probably. And I, I would be shocked if we get by Tuesday and they don't add a defenseman, like or Monday. I, I just they you know like they've got they've just got to. Um, Their their blue line has come back to what we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, right? And, um, you know, uh, and it's not just the bottom pair. I mean, it's Golagoski, but it's affecting everybody else. Expersion hasn't been completely on top of his game and – um, they just they have a lot of holes right now. There's no doubt.
0: And it's funny because for so long this season, I thought one of the most amazing things they did was withstand injuries on the blue line. Yeah. Remember, we had that stretch where Jordy Ben I think played 23 out of 25 games because somebody was out, and they were able to just move guys around, mix and match. And now it, they just can't seem to get any kind of rhythm and chemistry on the back end. We'll see. I think it's a. I still think you can win with this defensive core, but I agree with you. I think there's. I think there's no doubt they're exploring the defenseman market.
1: Yeah, um, one one thing, although the Joe's thing might change that, but although it's a one-for-one swap, is I do think they want to get a little more sandpaper on the back end. Uh, Lunani uh, reported the other day that he hears that they're interested in Delorier in um, in uh, Anaheim. You know, fights, kills, penalties, things like that. That'd be an interesting one. Um, Clutterbuck. I think the Wild might have poked some tires there. I just don't think he's the same player. Like, every time I watch him, it feels like his style has caught up to him. I agree. Yeah. Um, Question. And we're going to make this the last one unless somebody jumps up there right away. My question's for Anthony. Since it's supposed to be like 60-something this Sunday, what are you
0: grilling? (laughs) He grills in minus 60. uh, Yeah, we grill in any weather, that's for sure. And it all depends on what looks good at the market. But my gu- on Sundays we really like steaks. So it's my guess is it'll be the Akaushi steaks from Kowalski's. But we'll see. It's I I leave for the Margot hates this because I, I shop for that night's meal only, where she shops to plan like, well here's what we're gonna have on Tuesday and here's what we're gonna have on Wednesday and I go there with no plan in mind and just wander around the meat and fish counter and see what looks good. But I'm going to uh, – let's see, Sunday. Do we have a game Sunday? No, Saturday we have a game. Yeah. Sunday night, I'm guessing we'll have steaks.
1: Um, well, thanks, for everybody, coming out. March 22nd is our next live show here at 7 p.m. at Split Rocks. Awesome place. You can bowl here. You can uh, eat here. You can drink here. You can watch hockey here. Um, what else can you do here? Listen to a podcast. Listen to a podcast here. Uh, so, again, March 22nd. We'll be back at Tuttle's March 28th. Anthony will have a special guest that night. We're going to keep it a surprise. I think it's a surprise even to Anthony. It could be
0: a surprise right now. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, when you're at uh, Tuttle's on March 28th, just know that I'm at like a posh hotel in Palm Beach just saying hi to you in in, uh, Palm Beach, uh, from Palm Beach. Can't wait for that. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Tria Kowalski's, profiled by Sanford Aquarius, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, and Minnesota Propane Association. Thanks to Tuttle's. Thanks to... Trampled by Turtles, thanks to Anthony. Thanks to Anthony's voice for coming back.
0: So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. Oh, but the world won't forget.
1: So you're calling the game the other night, and obviously I don't hear it, but I'm seeing the Twitter reaction, and I'm just liking at tweet after tweet after tweet, just making funny. I just loved it.